Hello, everyone, and welcome to the YouTube channel No Boring Pneumatics. So here we discuss not only uh, pneumatics, but also topics around this. Uh, my name is Elvira, and today I'm very happy to welcome Mike Naver from, um, from the US. Hi, Mike, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. Thank you for the invitation. It's yeah, great to be so here probably, on such a fun channel. Yeah, it is. I hope so. <laughs> Let's see how it goes today. <laughs> Uh, so, Mike, um, you probably know him on the LinkedIn uh, if you follow any smart manufacturing channels and also news. Uh, he's in top five, six IoT influencers, and also he's an educator on the industry 4.0, keynote and author. So, Mike has several books. We're going to talk about them later on. Uh, but the main thing that I find really interesting, Mike, that you uh, simplify industry 4.0. So we hear so many words now, IoT of things, digital tunes, they're really scary sometimes for people when you go actually to the industry. So I wanted actually to ask you, how did you start it? So why you work in the digitalization in industry 4.0, what it is for you? Yeah, yeah, so that's a, a great question. So I've been involved in automation and control throughout my whole career. So 20 or 30 years working for manufacturers of industrial control components. And years ago, we realized that things were moving more and more towards automation, but we really didn't have a name for it. That name didn't come out until 10 or 12 years ago at the Hanover Fair where the, the German uh, industry named it Industry 4.0. And that was great because it once you can name something, it crystallizes it in people's minds. So instead of just saying increasing automation and and becoming uh, you know more efficient, this industry 4.0 really took off as kind of a kind of a buzzword. You know, a lot of people uh, talk about industry 4.0 uh, in in very broad terms. Uh, but you know, it was great from a marketing standpoint because mm -hmm. people could refer to it in a very short uh, word or two. Uh, but there was so much confusion uh, among people that are practicing manufacturing. What is this industry 4.0? Is it, is it something that you buy? You can go to a big company and buy an industry 4.0. <laughs> um, or, 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 or what is it exactly? And, uh, you know, what, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm at the intersection of industry and education. So you can imagine if the manufacturing community is a little confused or there's uncertainty or there's differences in how industry 4.0 is being perceived, by the time it gets down to the educational system, how are the professors and the high school teachers and uh, instructors going to wrap it up into a training program? So, so that's where I'm kind of uh, living, if you will, in my professional life. I talk to a lot of people, uh, some of which might have a very, very deep manufacturing knowledge in one area, say machine tooling. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe not in IIoT mm -hmm. or in uh, automation and control um, or people that are uh, looking uh, to get started in the field and want to know which way, but they don't have any manufacturing experience. <laughs> and what I found is uh, that there's a lot written out in books and articles and, and podcasts, but it's filled with acronyms, jargon, fancy words that uh, the people just getting started can understand. So I like to equate it if you start uh, a new sport, tennis or golfing or sailing, there's all this terminology 
that if you're not in it, it's very, very confusing. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, so, and you need to so, head with your sail in some direction, right? So this is this is very important. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I, I view myself sometimes as a first step of introducing the topic. I, I will talk to elected officials that are in charge of funding education programs mm -hmm. throughout the country. Uh, most of the time they have finance backgrounds or legal backgrounds. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very rarely will they have an industry um, a background. They're very important. They decide where funding will go. Mm -hmm. So I have to be able to describe why manufacturing is so important, why dollars and euros should be placed into education for manufacturing versus mm -hmm. all the other things that it could be spent on. So, um, so that's why I have to kind of hone my message. That's why I made the tag tagline smart manufacturing made simple because no one wants to feel foolish or stupid just because um, it's not their area of expertise, right? Yes. So, so, yes, so that's exactly. how it kind of came about. Exactly. Uh, this is great. And then I would like to ask you about the next step because industry 4.0, it's a really big thing. And like the topic, it feels scary for people that work in the industry, for example. For example, you mentioned uh, a maintenance manager that works uh, with the machine tooling, right? Things been working fine. Uh, like <laughs> he produces pieces. That, yes, there are maybe some downtime of the machine. Maybe there are some problems in the system. He fixes it. How you motivate this guy to integrate any digitalization, any monitoring, any like what is what comprise the industry 4.0 for this guy? How would you motivate him? Yeah, so uh, for the existing workers, it, it's quite the challenge because uh, these technologies are being incorporated. Um, in the case of a maintenance manager at an end user, um, as you say, you know, maybe they went along for 10 or machines. Um, they know how to listen with their ears and feel with their fingers any vibrations and then know if something is wrong because they have 20 years of experience. But what's happening now? Well, that, that plant, that manufacturing facility, if it's food or automotive, it doesn't matter, is constantly usually buying new equipment. And mm -hmm. all the OEM equipment manufacturers uh, are very interested in providing equipment that is up to date for marketing and for sales reasons. So they're taking something that maybe was very simple and mechanical and they're adding an IIoT, industrial uh, internet of things component to it, maybe so it can attach to the internet so that it can be viewed from anywhere in the world. So um, the, the individual maintenance uh, person might not have any say in that the new equipment comes in, it has all this capability. Uh, maybe it even has a cybersecurity uh, system on the front end because now it's all ethernet based. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Uh, the firewall is not something that I can feel vibrations with or hear <laughs> if it's working or not. Um, so, so companies, you know, have a, an obligation, I think, to continuously train employees, um, not leave them by the side. That would be a disaster for the industry if people are just like, oh, we're going to uh, fire all these people that don't have the experience and we'll hire all new uh, folks. Because those people that have the experience have very valuable experience still. At the end of the day, something has to rotate and move, typically. Um, and if it's not, then 
money's not being made. So, um, so, so uh, yeah, so it's real important for companies to, to upskill and to train. They can do that uh, internally. Uh, mm-hmm. They can do that with schools in the area. They can do that online, but they have to do it somehow. We know that. Yes. And how usually uh, training processes go and like what the feedback you get from from people, especially when you train the maintenance managers that already have experience of 20, 25 years? What is what is usual feedback for you? Yeah. So as you might imagine, you know, uh, uh, people are, are different in their temperaments and their personalities. So there are some people that will do it um, because they're forced to. Um, they have to. They've, they've got five more years of working before of retirement and they'll do what is told of them uh, to do it. But um, I I would say most people, uh, at least the people that I've come in contact with, get kind of excited about it. It's a new opportunity uh, to learn something new and fresh. And it's uh, uh, when you first get into something, you know, there's so much to learn um, that that it's very exciting. So so it, it, it's a mixture, I would say, overall, people are, are generally excited about the capabilities, especially if that camera and that remote system means that they could check in on a red flashing light at two o'clock in the morning from their home and not have to go into the factory uh, to check on it. Exactly. That's a, that's this a quality is the, of life. Yeah. yeah. So what what are the benefits of uh, integrating those monitoring system like this uh, IoT of thing, things? Uh, from from your perspective, yeah. So, in, in general, I, I would say it it displaces the need to be in physical proximity to the equipment, and uh, that's a huge uh, benefit. It's also a huge risk, right? Because now you've opened up uh, your equipment to a potential way of of hackers or cyber criminals uh, coming in. But I think the advantages are are, are too great that uh, we're not going to put that back in the box and say that we're not going going to do it. Um, there's a lot of talk in the machine building and OEM community. Often, the companies that are making these very sophisticated machines. I know that you're in northern Italy. You know uh, that uh, machine making in that region of the world is is top notch. Um, and um, you know what 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 they are offering is the people that are working for these machine builders are generally the experts in the world of how that machine and how that process runs more so and sometimes than the end user so but you know you just can't fly people from northern italy all over the world all the time for every single question or project that comes up so there's a lot of excitement now about uh, virtual reality putting on the goggles having that that number one expert in the world, that man or that woman in, in Milan, uh, being able to interface with someone in the US or Singapore or Australia um, in real time, but not physically located there. So so I think it's a, a great opportunity. It's not just in manufacturing, by the way. You know, I was talking to my daughter who's in the, in the medical uh, industry now. She's just finishing up and they're doing all robotics and remote um, procedures in the medical industry as well. So it's yes, it's I think industry, remote diagnostics. It's really an amazing thing that can drive forward. The, first of all, the collaboration and that the reducing the downtime of machine and making life easier. So then I think when people actually see that it makes life easier rather than the complicated. Yes, you need to go through some 
learning moments, adapting to, let's say, to a new reality, but then your life will be easier. So it's as well as like in, in, with, with sport, for example, you start doing some sport, like you, you really sweat, you cry, but then you feel good after this and then it becomes a habit. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's in general, it's a habit. And, and here, I think it's very important, the fact that you simplify it. So I think your strength in the teaching people is that you simplify the manufacturing and you simplify for them their understanding. And uh, the best part that I find really fascinating, let's go now from the people that already work at the factory to people that studying this. So I'm, I hope, I think maybe a couple of students from Italy will watch this, uh, will watch this interview. And uh, I wanted you to talk about the education for students. So what is the role of this uh, IoT of things? Because now, you know, in the heads of students, I see it's like you either go to study um, heavy manufacturing that is not very attractive, yeah. or you go to study robotics. That's like something like in, be in between, or you go and you are a developer, software developer. And these worlds, they don't seem to be aligned in the mind of students yet, because it's just three different directions usually in the educational system. So how do you see this? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. So, you know, uh, I, I'm coming from my own perspective. So I've always, you know, I was born, lived and work in the United States. So I have a, a specific mind view of how I've seen things over the course of, of, of my career. Um, that may have some similarities in other parts of the world, but but every every, country is kind of unique in, in, in some way. So what did we experience over the last 30 years? We experienced a period of um, what's called globalization of business and factories in the United States shut down and got moved to other sections of the world. So, uh, and that happened for 30 years. It really accelerated in 1990, right? And, uh, you know, we have a term for it, uh, 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 here in the U.S. in in in, in the Midwest, uh, and uh, I hope you're going to edit this a little bit. Um, yeah, no worries. Because <laughs> I, I can't think of it. The the Rust Belt. That's what it's uh -huh. called. Okay, so it's all the factories that were um, shut down, and so that that leaves a very negative image in the minds of many people about manufacturing. They would not encourage their young um, uh, sons and daughters to go into the field because they saw it as a shrinking field and not one with opportunity, quite the opposite. They saw people losing their jobs for, for many, many years as that production shifted overseas to low cost countries. Okay. The U.S. is never, you know, cannot compete on a per hour basis with other parts of the mm -hmm. world, for sure. So, uh, but now what we're seeing because of all, you know, everything that we hear every day in the news, you know, we don't have to go into that, but, you know, we're seeing, Sorry, Mike, uh, you're, yeah, no, no, you're back. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry, the Skype phone started ringing. Oh, no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing uh, production coming back um, uh, to the U.S. and more of a regional uh, philosophy in, in manufacturing. But that same uh, negative emotion is, is still there. So people are not encouraging young people to go into manufacturing. Um, I don't think it even gets brought up as an option in many, many cases. It's, oh, it's, it's, really? it's not even on the radar screen. It, 
Oh, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? A doctor, a lawyer, a computer scientist, a nurse? Um, a blogger now? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a TikToker? <laughs> a TikToker. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so I wrote um, uh, two books. One, uh, the latest one is a rhyming picture book for, for very young uh, people, maybe seven or eight years old, that they could read with their parents. And it rhymes and, you know, goes through like a little story about how important manufacturing is and you know, has some pictures of robots that, you know, kids kind of uh, like to look at. And uh, the, the one before that was written for a little bit older students, maybe at the high school level that are now, maybe they hear something about manufacturing. Maybe the idea of making things is interesting to them. Maybe they went to a camp during the summer, a maker space. Um, and they want to make this a career. And in that, you know, I, I uh, detail all these different aspects of manufacturing that no one thinks about. It's not sitting in front of a machine and pushing a button anymore um, all day long. There's computer science people. Um, there's electrical engineers. There's mechanical engineers. There's mechatronics, uh, software stack developers. You know, it goes on and on. So I tried to um, show that. Uh, some some job titles and opportunities, how to get into the field uh, through education or through on the job experiences. So, so that's what those two books were were uh, published about. I think it's really fascinating that it's not even just uh, some subject book for students that already study this, but let's say just like the preparation to show what is possible because. When kids are seven, eight years old, most of the books are about the fairy tales that about the world that doesn't exist. And I've also always been asking myself, like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why why we are all prepared on the Wizard of Oz? And like, the, I mean, the, there is always nice uh, wisdom uh, behind it, but there is so much, so few things about the reality and you don't understand uh, what, what exists uh, unless just you talk with your parents. And uh, the opinion always based on the economical situation and on in, in general, like what's going on around right now, but no one knows what's going to be in the 20 or 30 years from now. And um, about this children's book, I, I saw in internet and LinkedIn that it was very well received, that uh, many parents actually bought this book and talked uh, and, and read together mm -hmm. with kids. Do you have some nice, interesting feedbacks uh, from, uh, from children there or like, have a yeah, parents. Yeah, 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 it was it, it was really great. You know, I, uh, a few people on LinkedIn took it and they kind of uh, promoted it. Uh, some a couple influential people. So then a lot of people uh, took a look at it and they sent me photos of of them reading it with their kids and uh, which part of the book they 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 really like. So um, on a couple of the pages, I have industrial robots hanging mm -hmm. from the ceiling. Um, to, to perform an operation and kind of name them cute names, right? And so they, they yeah. all get a, a name. And, yeah. um, and and that seemed to be the most favorite uh, part uh, of the books. Okay, no, that, that's great. And uh, I think mostly maybe on the personal level now, the question, what motivated you to educate children and teenagers about, about manufacturing? So what, yeah. what inspired you? Yeah, so it's very adjacent to what my day job is. So uh, as you know, I work for the company Festo Didactic, and I, my day job is talking to instructors and professors and people that are running the educational system that have an idea that they want to 
increase uh, the capability of their manufacturing program. And through LinkedIn and other ways, they, they'll come to me and then we start the idea exchange. And when uh, COVID hit, uh, my, my travel schedule got, got zipped to zero. And normally this would be done face to face. So I became more active online. And I also had a lot more free time because I wasn't traveling back and forth yeah. at airports all the time. So I was like, oh, what can I do that's kind of adjacent to what I'm doing on the day job, but not exactly the same thing. So, so that, that's how the idea came up. That's really great. Thank you so much. I think maybe like the last question, what are the challenges you see now and the opportunities for the education right now in, in general for edu education in the manufacturing, not necessarily about the industry 4.0, but what are the trends or what are the difficulties or what you, what you wished for that may, yeah. made your life easier and, and your job easier yeah. and maybe more efficient? Well, well, the challenges in education, and, and if we focus a little bit on the higher education, you know, let's say bachelor, master degree level, is that the demands of industry and the demands of industry 4.0 are not neatly contained within their traditional silos of instruction. So for a mm -hmm. hundred years, we could have a mechanical engineering department. We could have an um, electrical engineering department. We could have a, you mm -hmm. know, on and on with no interaction between those technical disciplines. Mm -hmm. Zero, right? In fact, in a lot of places, they're competitors to each other within the school for students, for resources, for classrooms, for instructors. So, so a big challenge and a big opportunity is working with universities that are now starting to break down those barriers to share resources, um, share senior projects, capstone projects amongst all the different people that have to make it happen in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so um, in, in a company, it's gonna be a mixture of not only engineers of all different types, but finance and marketing and sales, all having to come together to create this Thing that allows the company to survive. So, so that's the interesting part, seeing how people are trying are, are now shifting and, and, and cooperating more within the education system. That's great. So I think this uh, intercorrelation and the collaboration, this is actually the key. And uh, the most important part, I think, is to educate people and just to show that, that there is this opportunity, right? Rather than be in, in competition. Thank you so much. Yep. Yeah. Thanks a lot, yeah. Mike. I really yeah. liked our conversation today. So we will put the link uh, for, for your books and also your profile to, uh, to the LinkedIn. And um, yes, we'll keep in touch and I will keep track on the education. So maybe the next your next book will be for kids of two or three years old. Or, <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> We'll have to see. I'm, I'm taking a break for right now, but you never okay, know. Okay, <laughs> great. But I'll be really happy to talk in the future about your new projects. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you.